We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're talking week 11 fantasy projections from our GLSP tool. Dave Cabin about to drop some knowledge bombs on RotoViz Radio. What's up, RotoViz? Welcome to the RotoViz Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Curtis Patrick, joined by Dave Cabin. It's the Week 11 projection show. We're into the second of the double-digit weeks of the NFL season, quickly just uh, hurling towards the fantasy playoffs. Uh, they're going to be here before you know it. And we're almost through the bye weeks. So uh, as we've been doing here, let's level set before we talk about some of the more interesting players, uh, both from an upside perspective and maybe some players that could underwhelm based off of their uh, you know, 50 sim players from our GLSP uh, tool. Uh, but to kick it off, we've got the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Miami Dolphins, the Ferraris of the NFL, the Seattle Seahawks, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers all taking the week off. So, you know, that's that's actually a, a pretty substantial group of, of fantasy assets unavailable to us in, in week 11, despite just four teams being on the bye. You know, with the Jags, of course, Travis Etienne has, you know, emerged as a, a pretty lethal fantasy weapon over the past um, four to six weeks. Christian Kirk, one of the uh, surprise probably doesn't feel fair, but you know, he's, I guess maybe surprisingly consistent. Uh, he has been this year. Trevor Lawrence has even emerged as a, a weekly streaming option at quarterback. And Evan Ingram has quietly been a little bit of a linchpin at the, the tight end position um, this year as well. Uh, you look at the Miami Dolphins, of course, you know, Tyreek and Jalen Waddle being unavailable. Jeff Wilson, the new vision, and Dolphin Green or Dolphin Blue, whatever you want to call it. Raheem Mostert still flex-worthy uh, there as well. Tua, obviously, uh, frequent starting lineups with Seattle. You know, we're missing Geno Smith. I don't know if you can call him a, a comeback player every year or, you know, maybe just new starter of the year. Uh, whatever you would call him, he's playing uh, f- pretty good football and has been a, a useful fantasy asset. Kenneth Walker, you know, had, had a disappointing game against Tampa last week, but, you know, that's that defense is basically impossible for running backs to solve uh, except, you know, uh, through the air. Um, so missing Walker hurts. And of course, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett have continued to be, uh, you know, continue to be useful for fantasy purposes all year. And then, you know, the bucks, I, I'm not sure too many people are depending on Brady, but you've got the exciting running back situation emerging with uh, Richard white and Leonard Fournette, and what will that balance look like after the bye comes back? Chris Godwin, Mike Evans kind of doing their thing. And we even had Julio Jones uh, with a sighting uh, last week with a, with a touchdown, Dave. So plenty of names that were either in starting lineups or could have been flex-worthy this week. I think I just rattled off about 20 players. So we got to find some other options. And we also just got to you know understand who are maybe the players that could carry a little bit more weight if we've got to start an uncomfortable player in week 11. Yeah, I mean, this week, this show, uh, I'm taking, not that I don't take them seriously in a normal week, but I have a number of teams that were relying on these guys, and with injuries elsewhere, I'm going to actually have a lot of issue fielding a team, 
So I'm going to have to aggressively hit the waiver wire. So I'm, <laughs> I'm looking forward to, yeah. to finding some players that could be possibilities on this, on this episode and thinking who some of my fill-ins are going to be. Yeah, man. I mean, I've, I've definitely started some gross names over the past couple of weeks and, and this week will uh, continue that trend. I think, you know, luckily there's some surprise games that have some high uh, Vegas totals that, you know, maybe we can find a sneaky start here or there uh, in particular at, at quarterback, you know, because we did uh, just, you know, firm up that, you know, we're going to be missing, you know, four usable quarterbacks this week. And that's, that's not uh, immaterial. Um, when you look at some of the games to target, and of course there'll be some DFS content on the site that really focuses more on that as well as some of the great uh, work by the rest of the team here that posts every week, um, you know, high game totals, you've got Chicago at Atlanta, which is like a really fun, I think that's just a really fun game. Um, could be a total, you know, what show. Um, but I think both teams will be able to run the ball all over each other. And then, you know, who knows what will happen if if one team gets forced to pass. You've got the Cleveland Browns at Buffalo uh, with a game total of 47. Could be an interesting matchup, uh, especially if the Browns are able to keep that game a little bit close. Uh, Detroit and New York. That's like, I think Chicago, Atlanta is kind of the headliner just because of, you know, being tied for the, the highest over under the week. But if there's like, a sneaky game that could end up being that game. I think Detroit and New York is, is pretty interesting. And then you've got some, you know, real headline matchups with Dallas versus Minnesota and Kansas city at Los Angeles as well. So plenty of options to go find some sneaky starts. And I know Dave's got a, a good lineup of names uh, for us to talk about here. Dave will kick it off after a drop with the quarterback position. Ah. Uh. Late on the draw. <laughs> Hold on, I forgot I had to hit over on the Dave bank. Got save on the lineup. Let's put that little eh noise. That should just become a drop of itself. Okay. Hey, wh- real quick. Yep. While you tell everyone about Mr. Kirk Cousins, I'm yep. going to go check on my five-year-old who's screaming at me on the other side of the mic. Oh, okay. Right All right. Sounds good. All right. So Kirk Cousins, a name that has not climbed too high in the GLSP projections each week. Uh, so far this year, we actually haven't uh, called him out very often this year. Of course, coming off the heels of a very exciting game against Buffalo. Uh, for a little perspective here on Cousins, has been a QB1 56% of the time this season, averaging around 19.9 points. His projection this week against the Cowboys calls for 26 completions on 39 passing attempts. 299 passing yards, 1.9 passing touchdowns. Uh, That gives him his largest distribution bucket between 20 to 25 points with 28% of his matches going there. Uh, 24% going between 15 to 20 and a pretty encouraging 22% going between 25. So a nice week for Kirk Cousins. Of course, at this point, Probably not the type of player that, you know, is a streamer, uh, but if you have him on your team, perhaps you have him with another player. It looks like a pretty solid week for him. Dak Prescott coming in a little bit higher than we have seen so far in the GLSP this season in the top six. Of course, at the top of the list, you have Mahomes, Allen, Jalen Hurts coming in at three, and Justin Fields continues to make that climb. Uh, now pretty much cementing himself into the top portions of the GLSP. This week has an average of 22.2 points as the QB4. And the thing is, uh, the GLSP is significantly, significantly reducing what you would expect uh, in terms of rushing rushing production as there's just not a lot of guys that you can comp him to that put up those ridiculous rushing numbers that he does, uh, even with it only projecting 41 rushing yards and 0.4 rushing touchdowns, we see 39% of his match, uh, matches going over 25 points, um, only 22% going, excuse me, only 20% of his matches going under 15 points. So it looks like a good game for Fields again. But what you're probably more concerned with here are the guys that you could use as streamers. 
this week's best streamer is looking like it's going to either be Jimmy Garoppolo or Marcus Mariota, assuming that you're in a league where these players would be available. Uh, I'm going to quickly line these two up and take a look at the way that their distributions fall out. So you got Garoppolo on one side, Mariota on the other, both with an average of 19.5 points. Mariota has a slightly better ceiling. Um, Garoppolo with the worst floor, but one of the things that is notable if you look at these distributions is that Garoppolo gets a pretty sizable percentage of his matches between 20 to 25, 31% of them to be exact, uh, and still has 20% going over 25, whereas Mariota has 24% over 25, but just 18% between 20 to 25. Now, I've not worked uh, on my article yet where I identify the streaming options, so I don't know exactly uh, in ESPN leagues, for example, what their roster percentage looks like, but uh, I would be inclined to say at least one of these guys should be available. We actually see Aaron Rodgers getting into uh, the QB1 range this week for the first time in a while. Daniel Jones, another streaming option. Jared Goff as well, but one player I want to focus on here is Matt Ryan, uh, a name that I have not seen in a long time landing on the front page of the GLSP. And of course, we saw Ryan return to action in Jeff Saturday's first game with the team. It was a QB1 with 27 fantasy points. And if we drill into his projected line this week, what we will see is an average stat line that calls for 285 yards, 1.8 passing touchdowns. Uh, and that gets him a pretty interesting distribution. It's fairly flat. I do think it's worth noting that 30% of it, his largest bucket is between 10 to 15, but we do see 20% of his matches going over 25. Uh, Ryan, I would imagine is largely available. So he's another name that rounds out that list of available streaming options. And then of course you have um, a couple of other guys that you could consider if Jameis Winston comes back and takes over for Andy Dalton, perhaps he becomes interesting in a week like this. Kenny Pickett had a decent game, but he ranks down lower in the list this week. Matt Jones has not been great. Uh, New England will be facing the Jets. He comes in at the quarterback 18, but I would definitely try to get those earlier names that I mentioned. Curtis, it looks like you've returned. I've, I've returned uh, triumphant from uh, the third tuck-in attempt of the night. Yep. I know you know how that goes. Yep. Um, yeah, so you know, I actually do think there are, are a couple interesting names a little bit further down the list. Um, so maybe we can focus on those a little yeah. bit, just adding some context from the NFL Stat Explorer. Um, you know, pretty clear the reasons to be interested in, in Cousins and Fields. But, you know, Aaron Rodgers has uh, fallen out of favor, um, you know, really over the – I mean, he hasn't really done much, I guess, to get in favor. He's just continued to have kind of a, a pretty projectable um, weekly floor. You know, it just seems like he always scores like 18 or 19 fantasy points um, lately. The emergence of the connection with Christian Watson um, does add some intrigue um, because now – you know, especially if Watson can put back-to-back -back weeks together with Lazard continuing to be, you know, kind of that possession receiver and, and you know, nice um, end zone target there, you know, maybe the Packers can get a little bit of something going. I mean, Aaron Jones even uh, was rumbling a little bit last week. And, you know, Tennessee secondary is, I mean, it's highly beatable. I mean, just in the past five weeks, we've seen, uh, I, I think that may have been Carson Wentz's last fully healthy game before Heineke took over uh, 359 passing yards with a pair of touchdowns. Uh, Patrick Mahomes put up almost 450 against this defense a couple weeks ago. Now they did, they did hold down. I know you were just um, trying to pump up Matt Ryan a little bit. They held Ryan and Davis mills uh, to pretty pedestrian outputs. And then, you know, Russell Wilson, who has been pedestrian all year did actually manage uh, 286 passing yards against the Titans last week. So, I mean, I think that, you know, Rodgers could do that. The, the, the one issue with the Titans defense, they're just not allowing a lot of passing touchdowns. I mean, over the, the past 
five contests, just uh, six passing touchdowns allowed. Um, you know, so that's that's uh, a, a little bit interesting. They did they did allow one rushing touchdown to Mahomes in, in week nine. But I, I, I think I like Rodgers here um, to continue to produce the weekly floor that we've become accustomed to. But, you know, perhaps he can get into the, you know, 22 to 25 fancy point range if he can have one of those efficient, um, you know, classic Rodgers games where, you know, he only throws a ball like 30 times but manages three passing touchdowns. I know you also mentioned Daniel Jones. Yep. And I was kind of teasing that game with Detroit at the top of the show. I mean, Detroit's been, a, you know, a secondary that you want to target, you know, multiple ways. You know, you can play the, the, the receivers against this team. You can play, you know, the signal callers too. And, you know, I think Daniel Jones is definitely streamable, uh, definitely streamable this week. Um, you know, they did allow a couple of rushing touchdowns to J- Justin Fields, who seemingly can, can rush for whatever he wants to against anyone. But, I mean, Aaron Rodgers uh, had 40 rushing yards against this uh, defense as well recently. And he has not, you know, been running that much, you know, late in his career. And we, we've seen Daniel Jones uh, put up some games with, you know, he can – find his way to, you know, 30, 50, 60 rushing yards at times. Uh, so, you know, that could boost his uh, ceiling a little bit if it's one of those weeks where Danny Jones gets going on the ground. Um, and so, you know, given the choice between Rogers, Jones, or Ryan, if they're all on the waiver wire, I think I actually would take them in that order. But in particular, you know, Daniel Jones just doesn't seem to have that appeal to people, Matt Ryan still has kind of that bigger name just because of the number of seasons that he's done it. So, um, you know, maybe just throwing that extra dollar on Daniel Jones to make sure you get him in case you're bidding against other road of his sharps uh, would be an option. But otherwise, you should be able to get him for a men bid, I would think. Yeah, I think those are definitely some good notes to add. Uh, we've covered all of the quarterbacks that uh, I had listed, I believe. So let's turn over. Uh, toward running back. We have a couple of exciting names in there. Some of these guys carrying over from what we saw last week, uh, but still exciting to see them on this list. With New England back in action, we have Ramondre Stevenson, who has actually become, uh, for a number of weeks now, a fixture in the RB1 territory. But he actually, this week, is coming in as the RB3 with get this Curtis 28% of his matches going for more than 25 points. That is the highest of all backs this week. Oh, even better than Austin Eckler uh, and Christian McCaffrey. So that's a, that's a pretty exciting thing to see there, you know, beyond him, we have some names that you would expect the Saquons, Josh Jacobs, who has become a fixture at this point, Henry cook, uh, but you do see Tony Pollard once again getting his way into uh, our our listing here. If we take a look at Pollard's average stat line created by his matchups, 15 attempts, 70 yards, 0.6 touchdowns, not a whole lot of production as a receiver expected, but 30% of his match is going between 10 to 15 points. Looks like it should be a pretty good week for Pollard against Minnesota. If we contrast that with Ezekiel Elliott, and of course, you know, his health will be something to watch. As always, we have a situation where he's projected with a fairly similar line, 13 attempts for 56 yards and 0.6 touchdowns. Uh, Moving past the Cowboys backs, an interesting name that pops up here is Gus Edwards. Now, my takeaway... Uh, is not so much uh, Edwards himself, right, um, as, you know, likely um, won't be suiting up. I actually don't know if you've seen an update on that, Curtis, have you? I'm going to quickly look that up here. If uh, you want to filibuster here for me while I look it up. Oh, Curtis is not there. Uh, We must have another situation here uh, as far as bedtime goes. So Edwards is in line to make his return to action against the Panthers. Okay. Um, So what I'm gathering from this line here, and if you look at Edwards in week seven against Cleveland, did have a good game Uh, in that game, had 16 rushing attempts, had uh, one target. 
what I'm taking away from this is that one of these backs on Baltimore should be able to put together a decent game for the Ravens when they face off against the Panthers. Edwards, uh, 71 yards on 15 attempts, 0.7 rushing touchdowns. Good chance to get in the end zone. Um, I would not be banking on one of these guys necessarily finishing as an RB1, but I think that Edwards and Drake become a little bit more um, attractive as a result of that. Now, Kenyon Drake uh, projects with 13 rushing attempts, 63 yards, and 0.6 rushing touchdowns. So, you know, decent chances of one of these guys punching one in for the Ravens. Another notable name that makes his way into the top 12 this week is Eli Mitchell. Now, one would have to concede that, uh, you know, his first game sharing the field with Christian McCaffrey, uh, you know, didn't give us what we would have liked heading into the season, just 9.8 points against the Chargers. But what the GLSP is going to look at here is that he had 18 rushing attempts and two targets. That's a very sizable workload. I really think in the upcoming week, like we have, Mitchell is the type of player that certainly merits getting consideration for your lineup. Now, San Francisco is going to be facing off against the Arizona Cardinals. If we take a look uh, at the strength of schedule difficulty in the NFL Stat Explorer, we'll see that Arizona is in the green making them a fairly favorable opponent. We saw Kenneth Walker go for 19 against the team uh, in his first matchup, 28 in his second matchup. Dalvin Cook had a great game. Alvin Kamara. The Rams in the most recent week struggled, but you know the Rams have not had much success running the ball this year. As a result, I think that this sets up nicely for us to see McCaffrey and Mitchell both put together a uh, couple of solid performances there. We continue down the list and we have some of these names that you might be uh, less sure about starting. Devin Singletary, great game over the weekend. He's been um, a player that the GLSP has liked this year. He's back into RB2 territory. Right behind him, we have the aforementioned Kenyon Drake around running back uh, 18 or so. Um, other names that might surprise us in here, Tyler Algier still remaining, uh, in that RB three potential RB two window. Uh, I see, Eno Benjamin in the listing here, but Curtis poor, Eno Benjamin, Benjamin gets, gets cut post week 10. Yeah. He landed with the Texans. So I'm not sure if, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Is that actually like better than still being history free agent. Um, <laughs> you know, he could probably, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a far worse situation, obviously than being in Arizona. I mean, it seems like, you know, five, six weeks ago, it's like, Hey, could, could, you know, Benjamin actually carve out a season long role and make it difficult for James Conner when he comes back. But, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what happened. It was a pretty swift fall from grace in Arizona there, but you know, landing in Houston, I mean, Damian Pierce hasn't really, um, he really hasn't put together any type of receiving role whatsoever. You know, Benjamin could be a far more athletic and efficient version of what Rex Burkhead has done as a change of pace back. So gives him a little bit of life. I don't think, I, I mean, you're probably going to need an injury to, to Pierce um, or a prove it game uh, from Benjamin first uh, before you could feel good about slotting him in. But you know, I, the Texans do stink, Dave. So, you know, there's... They're pretty there's, bad. Yes, reason to believe that in any given week, I mean, he could put together a, a four reception for 18-yard line and at least help you avoid the goose egg uh, and, a, and a flex spot. So, you know, we'll have to see there. I do like, you know, a lot of the names that you, you brought up. I mean, just kind of going back to the top and the revelation that is Tony Pollard. I mean, three career games now, that he's gotten the backfield to himself, you know, without Ezekiel Elliott. And it's just, it's one of the more beautiful uh, calls that you could ever enter into the road of his game splits app, the world famous road of his game splits app. And, you know, he, he, Tony Pollard has appeared in 54 games in his career 
three of them without Ezekiel Elliott. His PPR average in those three games, Dave, 28.9. That's insane. 28.9. He averages almost 136 yards from scrimmage in those three contests. Uh, he averages, um, <laughs> averages, Dave, two rushing touchdowns Jeez. in those contests. His 17-game pace in games without Ezekiel Elliott is 491 points. Um, so we were talking about <laughs> just like legendary performance. I mean, albeit a small sample size, but he's done it all. I mean, it's not like he had one 60-point game that's, you know, weighing the sample, you know, weirdly. You know, he, he really has um, performed quite well in all three of those instances. So, you know, hopefully the Cowboys will, will see the light in terms of how they balance the role there. I think bringing up Elijah Mitchell, you know, it was actually surprising uh, to me. I mean, as well as many others, how involved he was with McCaffrey. I think he's going to be highly touchdown dependent. Um, and he actually ran kind of cold in that category last mm-hmm. week, but he did have four carries from in close. And so right. in a game where San Francisco's on the road and they're favored, uh, I think by double digits or close to it, you know, I mean, Mitchell's as good a bet as anybody to, to get a short rushing, rushing touchdown. I just think that you do run the risk of getting like 2.2 fantasy points from him. Um, if he doesn't score a touchdown. So you got to bear that in mind. And um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, running back just, it, it never ceases to amaze, man. The, the, the names that you can begin talking about at this point of the season versus who we thought might be relevant at the beginning of the season. It's just always so interesting to, to watch that, that morph. Um, Devin Singletary, I saw you, you've got him uh, listed in the, in the chat here uh, in the show prep. I don't know why I didn't see it coming last week, you know, with the UCL for Josh Allen that, you know, the team might give some more of the, the close yeah. in touch to Singletary instead of Allen. But um, you know, I had Singletary in a bunch of spots and, and kept him on the bench. So you know, now with you know Allen presumably nursing that injury for a couple more weeks, you know, maybe we'll get a little bit more ride out of Mr. Singletary. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sure. Uh, and then speaking of names that we weren't expecting to talk about, the RB31 in the GLSP this week, Latavius Murray with an average <laughs> of around 10 <laughs> points. And the, oh, the, the crazy, disgusting thing, Curtis, is this week I can actually see him becoming a player that some people have to turn to, uh, which is really crazy. Latavius Murray averaging 10.4 PPR per game. He actually is the RB 35 right now has been an RB two in 40% of his games played. I cannot believe that in 2022, I have mentioned Latavius Murray as a player that somebody out there might actually say to themselves, wow, like uh, I'm going to go out, see if I can get him into my lineup, help me get through the attrition of the season and the bye weeks this year. Other players in that in a similar. Oh, oh go I'm, ahead. I'm Latavius, man. You know, 
I'm not going to judge anybody for streaming any running back yeah. against the Raiders. The Raiders, are, they are puke-inducing. I mean, they are so bad, so bad, and they're really bad against running backs. I mean, it's just been a complete free-for-all against this defense at that position. Um, you know, so, some really elite uh, receiving performances out of the backfield against them, but uh, it's been pretty easy to, to post the rushing yardage as well. Um, to opposing team backfields totaling greater than 100 rushing yards in three of the past four games, including Jonathan Taylor and company putting 169 rushing yards uh, on them in week 10. Uh, four rushing touchdowns scored against the Raiders in the past three games and two receiving touchdowns by running backs in the past three games. Of course, both of those by Alvin Kamara uh, a few weeks ago. So, yeah, man, I mean, it does, you know, it, it's a gross name. I mean, kudos to Latavius. I mean, we're not hating on him. He's put together a fun career. Uh, he's hung around so much longer than any of us probably thought that he would have. Uh, I think, Dave, memory serves, he actually began his career with the Raiders, right? Yeah, I think that that is right. Yeah, I think he did. So, so is this like a decade later revenge game? <laughs> is there a revenge game narrative for Latavius Murray of the Broncos against the Raiders? Professional you know, career, 2000. Yeah, 2013, he was with the Raiders. 2014, 2015, 2016, contract runs up, goes to Minnesota for two years, then to New Orleans for two years, um, and then has had a stint with Baltimore, New Orleans, and now Denver. Yeah, he was he was an he was an early career sleeper, and then he just has been asleep for a while, yep. like on the couch, but you know, he's, he's, this, he's a, he's a post grave sleeper now. Um, yep. and, uh, yeah. So any other running backs you want to hit before we get into the wide receiver position? Yeah, there actually are a couple. Uh, we see, uh, Dante Foreman in like uh back end running back three territory, as well as Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson jr. I also wanted to call out Daryl Henderson, uh, coming into this range as well and just give a little bit more light on him because I can see people in a position where they're wondering if they should go with Henderson or another player. The thing I will say here is that he does have his distributions interesting. He's got some more downside than some of the players that are maybe a couple of spots above him, but he does have 5% of his matches going over 25 and a couple more uh, guys coming in that match to him with high point totals than other players in this range. So if you're trying to capture some upside and you're thinking about guys mm -hmm. like Henderson or Michael Carter, maybe Kareem Hunt, somewhere in that range, Henderson is a name that you could turn to, keeping in mind, you know, it's a small percentage of the time that this yeah. was happening, but in comparison to those other players, it gives him a better chance. The final players I wanted to talk about, Najee Harris and... Uh, Jalen Warren, you have Najee coming in with an average of 8.2, um, does not have any of his matches going over 20 and then Warren, um, coming in with an average of just 5.6 points, neither player looking like they're going to have a great game. GLSP would still have you playing Najee as a potential guy in the flex coming off, uh, you know, what was actually a pretty good game for him. Didn't amount to a whole lot of fantasy points, but at least something in the right direction for Najee. Yeah. I'm waiting for, you know, Najee the hammer to reemerge. Um, you know, he just hasn't had any big plays really at all that I can think of, uh, in his NFL career, he's been purely volume based. So it's nice to see some of that volume come back. Um, I will note Dave, that per the game splits app, Najee is perfectly average in his career versus the Bengals, <laughs> who are his opponent this week. Uh, his career average against non-Bengals opponents, 15.4 uh, PPR per game and 15.2 against the Bengals. So if you were looking to the game splits or the, the team-specific trend uh, on Najee to potentially rescue him from the mediocrity uh, that has been his 2022 season. Unfortunately, the Bengals are probably not the remedy, at least in terms of uh, his performance against that rival. Yep. We will. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. I mean, you know, it's just to the point with Najee, it's like, you know, there's only, there's only uh, so much time we can even. Uh, 
I think yeah. he's entering his like third contract next year. Right? He's <laughs> 29 years old already. Yeah. Um, so thanks for, yeah, thanks for the rundown on the running back position. Um, you know, I, I, I think uh, there's going to be some gross names. It's okay. I, the, the player that I was going to um, respond to with Daryl Henderson um, I think he's basically unstartable right now due to the the state of the Rams offensive line and the yeah. questions about Stafford and, you know, cup being shut down. Now, I think the, you know, the value of the GLSP with a, a player like this though, I mean, in a 50 game uh, 50 player versus similar defense matchup situation, you know, there were probably some other players whose offenses were in shambles yep. uh, in, in those matchups. And perhaps some of those matchups were within the the 5% of matches that were, were high end. I mean, you know, it's not like the Saints are world beaters this year. That game could, you know, get weird. It's got a low total. But I think Henderson is a player that you can really only start, you know, this is a player to start if you're like a 30-point dog. Yeah. You know, and and you just swing for you know, the, the potential upside, you're probably going to lose, but because you see that ceiling there, you know, he makes more sense to start, um, you know, maybe than a, than a player like Latavius, uh, for example. Yeah. I, I think that's a, a very good context to add to things. So that's all I have on running backs. We do have some fun results at wide receiver. We'll start with some of these higher level players. We have Alan Lazard coming in, as the wide receiver 11, of course, one of the players we've been practically obligated to talk about a lot this year. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown getting into the wide receiver one range as well. Now, Hollywood Brown is not necessarily, um, or actually, I guess, do we know if there's any chance that he could play? Looking oh, this I, don't right now. I don't think Hollywood's playing. All right. He's getting close yeah. to returning. All right. Yeah. I, I don't think he's playing. And, you know, Kyler Murray's also going to be a game time decision probably on Monday night again. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I don't, he, Hollywood, like the update that I saw is that he's getting close to returning. Yep. But I mean, yeah. I, you know, it just depends on how critical they think he is to, you know, getting a win in any individual week if they're going to pressure. I mean, I guess getting the, the one extra day, yep. you know, does maybe leave the light on for him. To your yeah, point. well, so, and the reason I, br- I brought that up there is because it got through, he, he made his way through my injury screening into the results that got loaded this week. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it gave me some hope. And then on top of that, Curtis, a lot of these Cardinals players, the GLSP likes this week. We see Rondale finishing strong. If Hollywood were to play, he'd be in the top five. Greg Dortch getting a decent look this week. DeAndre Hopkins. So things, uh, you know, looking up for some of those players. DeAndre actually coming in um, as the wide receiver three. Uh, Other names here to call out that you might not be expecting. We have Jacoby Myers, Tyler Boyd, and Brandon Ayuk rounding out our top 15. Looks like you have a note for me here. Yeah, two notes. Uh, so the first one is Hollywood is technically eligible okay, to come yeah. back this week. That's that's the key note. You know, he's missed the required four weeks. It doesn't mean that he will. It just means that he can be activated. You know, he's placed on IR, so there's a minimum time lapse there. And then I wanted to circle back, Dave. I made a prediction before the season that Alan Lazard would finish as a top 15 wide receiver. Yep. And we're entering week 11, and... He is, I got to check here and see where we're at. He is currently wide receiver. I have 22. 22. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 22. 22. So, you know, hey, we're leaving the light on the, for the prediction. But, um, you know, I think the, the, the high exposure to him um, has certainly paid off for those of you that listen. Well, he's, not, he's nine in total touchdowns, which was part yeah. of the thesis that we had for him, right? So that part worked out very injured in a couple of these uh, weeks as well. Not that, not that that matters. That's not going to matter when we're adjusting for, for my call, but right. um, You know, Hey, he, he's, he's a solid wide receiver too to date um, instead of a high end wide receiver too. So we'll take the other interesting note just on him is that he's only been at this point, a wide receiver one in just one game. Um, But if you actually look at some of his other games, that weren't that strong. 
they can't like he was a wide receiver too with 17.6 points in two games this year. I don't know exactly where I'm going with this other than it's been kind of, it's just been an interesting path that he took to getting to where he is, but it does feel like it's trending in the right direction. So we, That's we, a Michael Scott, man. Uh, sometimes I start a sentence. I don't know where it's going. Yes, exactly. Oh, exactly. I really wish I had a sound drop for that. All right. Rondell Moore comes in wide receiver 16. He's definitely been trending in the right direction. Exciting to see DJ Moore following up behind him with Gabe Davis. Darnell Mooney in a good spot here. First name that really stands out, though. Paris Campbell coming in around wide receiver 22. I think that's one that's noteworthy. Um, Darius Slayton, another player that I wanted to call attention to here. Uh, You know, it's certainly a guy that might be able to help you out with your week 11 lineups had 18.5 points in week 10. Uh, You know, his best game of the season thus far. If we look at what the GLSP expects, and as we talked about, Daniel Jones was a player. They could have a decent week this week against Detroit. We have Slayton with five and a half targets, 3.3 receptions, but 53 receiving yards and 40% of his matches scored touchdowns. This does not give him a very high ceiling, but for a player like Slayton, an average of 11.3 points is nothing to scoff at. And 30% of his matches went over 15 points. So, you know, a player that we can pay some attention to there. Yeah, I like you mentioning Paris Campbell here too. Um, Obviously, Matt Ryan coming back into the lineup, uh, kind of a boon for, for Michael Pittman, but Campbell actually in the Matt Ryan games, averaging 11 PPR, uh, 11 PPR this year as compared to just six PPR in the two games uh, with Sam Ellinger. So, um, you know, it's nice to see Campbell returning, you know, some of that weekly floor. And he's actually had a couple, you know, pretty high end performances there too. So, you know, he was kind of relegated back to the, you know, the deepest recesses of your bench um, after the quarterback change, but he's highly viable again, moving forward. And, you know, I think that, you know, with the, the Colts, um, you know, they've got, they've got the head coach change um, and a lot of these players uh, seemingly playing for, for roster spots in a situation where the roster is obviously going to turn over again next year. uh, Unless you think that Matt Ryan has enough juice to, to squeeze a second season out of his tenure in Indianapolis. Uh, Campbell, certainly one of those players uh, playing for what his second contract uh, might look like, uh, uh, in his young NFL career. Slayton, I've started him uh, in spots twice this year, worked out very well one time. Uh, the other time did not work out so well. But hey, if we're if we're making a call that the Giants could could have a good week uh, and the passing attack uh, is one way uh, that they could access uh, some of that upside, you know, hey, if you're going to start Daniel Jones, might as well uh, cram one of his wide receivers in there. <laughs> Yeah, and Slayton, you know, looks like this is the week to do it. A couple other names that I want to call out uh, here, Curtis. We have Nicole Hardman coming in at wide receiver 31, has had back-to-back wide receiver one games, is the wide receiver 38 on this on the year. Could have been the season that we saw Hardman kind of get into that fantasy picture the way people wanted. Of course, with Kadarius Tony now in town. Yeah. It becomes a little bit murky, but one thing that could work out here in Hardman's favor would be if Juju has to be limited or is unable to go uh, this week. Something worth monitoring there. Another name that just finishes in wide receiver three territory, Devontae Parker. Uh, He has separated himself from some of the other New England wide receivers uh, Mm. in the GLSP. But one interesting name here, Elijah Moore has not had, you know, the season we would have hoped for. GLSP likes him a lot more than Garrett Wilson this week. Looks like he could be in flex consideration. He and Corey Davis, though, um, in similar territory, signaling that the GLSP sees something for at least one of the Jets receivers against the Patriots. Uh, we have Curtis Samuel in flex territory. Uh, Deontay Johnson at this point, Curtis, coming in around wide receiver 52 versus George Pickens coming in around wide receiver 
three wide receiver four um, territory. So it likes him more than Johnson this week. Cortland Sutton does not get a good outlook. Um, other players finishing a little bit lower than we like might like to see. Um, we have Michael Pittman again, not getting a lot of love from the tool. And then, as I mentioned, Garrett Wilson really low this week with just 70 wide receiver, 75, which is 6.9 points in his matchup with new England. I would be willing to start Elijah Moore, uh, this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so the team, it, I mean, they announced before the buy that they're going to move him into the slot. I mean, that's definitely where he belongs. Um, Elijah Moore, I, I was having this uh, back and forth with with Scott Barrett, I think, last week. It was during the, the bye week uh, in our uh, chat. And, um, you know, Elijah Moore was a, an elite yak guy in college, um, and 74% of his final season production in college was from the slot. The Jets then proceeded uh, to use him uh, on the outside for 76% of his snaps through his first 17 career games. So they literally in, inverted his his usage from college to the pros. They drafted him for what he did in the slot and then used him as an outside receiver. Um, so moving him inside, especially with the emergence of Garrett Wilson as a, a really viable we- uh, weapon on the outside, um, I think this is the right mix for those two receivers. I think it's going to help to lift that offense a little bit. And, you know, one of those squeaky wheel gets a grease situations that we see so often, um, you know, just from a context and, and a situational analysis standpoint. I mean, these these wide receivers, unless, you know, it's like they either get cut or they get fed. Um, and they didn't cut them. And they changed his position after he complained about his usage to the position he'd rather play. Now they had a bye week to put that into the offense. You know, I, I'll be shocked if Elijah Moore doesn't get at least seven targets this week. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna start him uh, in the spots where where I need to stream a wide receiver. I love the conviction there. I'm feeling, now I'm like, oh, I, I got to get more into some of my lineups. Um, that's all I had on wide receivers uh, at tight end. I don't think there's anybody that we really need to drill in too much no. this week. We were talking about how these. It's it's starting to look very similar, um, you know, with there's this handful of tight ends that you can feel decent about. And then, you know, it's really anybody's bet from there. Uh, Tyler Conklin does do pretty well in the GLSP this week. Um, beyond him, there's not really anybody else that I think you're going to be surprised to see how high they finished. And there isn't really anybody that at this point I think would surprise you with how low they are. Um, I'm just going to mention Jawan Johnson, who has been a pretty decent guy filling in the last couple of weeks. He comes in at tight end 17 this week. Um, So maybe a little bit, a little bit lower than you would have been hoping for. Um, Beyond that though, Curtis, like I said earlier, you know, there's really just not a lot of meat on this bone here for uh, tight ends. All right. Well, as we wrap up, I'm going to totally change the topic and just get your take on this because, um, yeah, my, my mentions were a little bit, um, smoky over the past couple of days. Oh yeah. Uh, I've seen you, you put out a couple of things there that, uh, (laughs) I want to get your take, man, because you know, we're at the point in the season and at the point in some of these player contracts where, um, it's time to decide what you think about these guys in dynasty. I mean, these year three, uh, in particular, like year three, year four running backs, you know, are they going to be sticking around for another three or four years? Um, as while viable assets, are they going to become depth guys or, um, guys that you really have to gamble, um, and, and, and have, you know, a wide range of potential outcomes, both in dynasty value and fantasy production moving forward. And, you know, again, um, you know, it was, it was fun kind of having a back and forth, uh, with, with Scott over the past week about a couple of different things. He was asking me my opinion, um, on a trade offer that he got that involved Deandre Swift and Chris Olave. Yeah. I told him to take Chris Olave. Um, and then, and then it got me looking at, you know, why did I answer that question so quickly? And Deandre Swift, I, listen, I, I think that he is a talented player. I don't have anything against him. 
Um, I wish that he would score 20 plus fantasy points every week. I mean, especially in 2021, Rotoviz was all in on DeAndre Swift. You know, there were multiple articles written by uh, multiple people on the site around, you know, Swift having overall RB1 upside in 2021. It was a big DeAndre Swift bet year for this site. And, you know, one of the believers. Um, But, you know, between injuries, between usage, between coaching staff, uh, rationality, um, and, uh, yeah, I I mean, I I don't know what all is going into that recipe that has caused this type of production, but he hasn't put it all together. I mean, we're in his third year. He only has 10 career RB1 weeks. And, you know, when you put him head-to-head with a guy like Antonio Gibson, you know, people immediately, they just want to shoot flaming arrows at me for suggesting that these players should be valued similarly. But if you just look objectively at what they've done, what their age is, and what their current role is, you can't, they're the same, it's, they're the same player right now. It doesn't matter what they did in college at this point. It's their, it's the end of their third year. Antonio Gibson has outscored DeAndre Swift thus far from a PPR perspective in their careers. Uh, He's within nine fantasy points over expectation of Swift. They do both have positive fantasy points over expectation, which is not a surprise because they're both receiving backs. And as uh, Blair Andrews has noted um, many times in in his uh, ongoing series, uh, we want to chase efficiency uh, at the running back position early in careers. But I mean, Gibson has rushed for about 800 more yards, six more rushing touchdowns than Swift. And, you know, they both have over 100 career receptions. They're within 160 yards of each other from a receiving perspective and within one receiving touchdown of each other. I mean, Gibson has been available in more games. He's only scoring one fewer fantasy point per game, despite uh, what some people may feel is a more elite back in, in DeAndre Swift. They're basically the same guy. And neither one, neither one is a guy that you would look at and say, I expect them to be the bell cow next week. Gibson has actually found himself in a role quite similar now yep. to DeAndre Swift's role yep. in Detroit. And they both play on bad teams. So, you know, I'm going to be putting more of these head-to-head situations out there over the course of the, the next couple of weeks as the, the dynasty trade deadlines um, start to creep up on us that are a little bit uncomfortable. And it's going to, it's going to, cause people to question what they think about certain players. And this is, this was not meant by the way, to be a pro Antonio Gibson uh, tweet or take just meant to level set. You know, there, there's like, I think this summer there was something like six to seven rounds of, of difference and startup value yeah. between these two players. Kidding me. I mean, you're not moving Gibson up at this point. The only move is to move Swift down. So, you know, I don't, I don't know how, how you're feeling here. Maybe, maybe similar conviction, maybe uh, still, you know, mulling it over. Uh, I didn't prep you on this at all, but I felt that I should call it out. Cause I mean, it was pretty highly engaged uh, tweet with a lot of, a lot of interaction. Uh, so I felt the need to respond to it. No, I think this is a great topic, great question. And one that's really helpful in contextualizing a player. Once you reach this point in their career, Now, overall, at this point, most running backs, we should be expecting them to start to take a decline, barring their contract expiring and going somewhere where they get into this terrific situation. At this point, the concern that I would have for DeAndre Swift is what situation is out there that's going to be available for him that really is going to be this home run. When you're in an offense with Jamal Williams and Jamal Williams is outproducing you in so many facets and has been the more uh, useful player for that team. It's hard to point to anything for Swift that gets him out of that level of back that Gibson is in right now. He keeps teasing us, making us think that things are going to come together. Unfortunately, they've never fully come together and you're reaching that cliff where if they don't come together, the odds of it happening are so low that it's hard for us to really rule that he's still this elite player. Like you said, I think he's probably it might, it doesn't even matter though, if he is a more talented player than Gibson, because at this point it hasn't really manifested and it's almost like, well, Swift is doing this. You've had this resurgence for miles Sanders. And I almost wonder if you float out now, (laughs) 
If yeah. you float out Miles yeah. Sanders versus DeAndre Swift, I'd love to see what people think because I feel like at this point you could make a much stronger case for Miles Sanders than you could Swift. Yeah, I mean, and that that just even further muddy the waters. Um, so, you know, the, the purpose of the exercise is to look at some of these guys that maybe um, are, are really overvalued um, for what they factually are mm-hmm. at this point in their career. It is there. There is no hot take in saying that Antonio Gibson has been a more productive fantasy player so far in his career than DeAndre Swift. It is an inconvenient truth, um, but it is the truth. It's the stats, um, and they've both been efficient, and they've been very similar on a per game basis. But Gibson's been available more, and availability, unfortunately, is also an inconvenient part of running back value. Um, and so, you know, yeah, I, I think, you know, we can try to s- start to add, uh, some of these little conversations peppered throughout our, our weekly shows. Uh, we will likely do a big, uh, dynasty trade deadline, um, show here in the next couple of weeks. And, uh, it makes me excited for our off season conversations where we can get a little bit yep. more, um, you know, off schedule with some of these more strategic conversations, making me hungry for that, uh, type of conversation again. Um, but yeah, uh, can I float the, out? Sorry, yeah, let's get you yeah. off. But right. I talked about this last night and I wanted to get your take. Let's say that the season were to end today. We don't play any more football in 2022. Mm. Heading into 2023, how many quarterbacks in a redraft league are you taking before Justin Fields? Yeah, I mean, if, if it ends today, so that's interesting because. We basically have a, it's not even a half and half situation yet. We have, you know, a third of his season has been elite and a third of it was total trash. Yep. Recency bias would point us towards the, uh, towards having him very high. We've also seen some really weird um, situations with, with quarterbacks, you know, RG three comes to mind where he was just absolutely a highlight reel with this type of uh, situation uh, as a rookie. And then he couldn't stay healthy uh, Fields is a, a different body type and he played this way in, in college too a, a, against, you know, reasonably um, stout NFL competition in, in the Big Ten uh, versus what RG3 was seeing uh, in the Big 12 and the lack of defense out there. I would say, I mean, I, I would still take, I think I would still take Mahomes and Allen because of what they uh, the, the consistency there, uh, and, and, and the absolutely just, you know, super high floor. I think fields enters the conversation there at QB three, man. I think it's, I, I think, uh, it, it ends today. So I don't get any more data. Um, I think, you know, I think because of where the, the teams are and what he's shown to date, Jalen hurts would probably still slot in there above fields. You could feel a little bit better about him repeating, his production because he's done it for about a, a, you know, a season and a half now. It's a good team too. I I think I would take, if the season ended today, I think I would take Justin Fields over Lamar Jackson. Wow. I think I would, because they're, they're basically the same guy at this point. And, and we know that Jackson's not going to further develop as a passer uh, at this point in his career. And he's running less and less. Um, I think Fields has more upside as a passer than Lamar Jackson, and he's shown similar upside as a runner to Lamar Jackson. Um, I don't think you would have to spend on Fields what you would Jackson. Very true. Very true. Today. Yep. But yeah. Okay. So I, I've talked myself in. I would slot him. I would slot him at QB four. Dude, that's exactly. I don't know if I said it last night, but that's basically where I was thinking. It was. I, I mean, maybe he could go to five. Yeah. But uh, yeah, as I've said, before, his his upside's asymmetric to anyone you would draft after him. Yeah, hundred percent, a hundred percent. All right. So as I've said many times, now it's almost like we talk to each other about football three times a week. <laughs> but I think we yeah. still we still have you know enough enough variance that it can keep things yeah. somewhat interesting. During the off season is when more of these you know these these little disagreements can come out. But yeah, like you said, I'm fired up from when we can start getting into some of that stuff. And I think that having a show around the uh, dynasty trade deadline is definitely a good idea. So we will look forward to that. But more importantly, we will be back on Thursday or recording Thursday night, dropping on Friday to break down some of these passing game matchups. And we look forward to it. 
Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.